So Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth that your people gathered usher in your presence in this place. Lord, I pray that as we continue to worship you in your God-breathed word, that we would not leave here unaffected or unchanged, but that it would do its work in our lives. Lord, may we look, smell, taste, and feel more like Jesus Christ for having been in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Please have a seat. Jesus was walking with his disciples, and he asked them the question of life. But who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter pipes up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The right answer. Jesus doesn't give him credit. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says to him, he says, You are Peter. And then he finishes the thought with, And upon this rock, not Peter, but upon this rock of your profession of faith, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. But let me ask a question. It's not the question for the day, but it's just a question. Are we in danger of losing the gospel? Are we in danger of losing the gospel? Because here's, here's what I was thinking about as, as we launch into this series on and upon this rock, the profession and, and the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to build his church on. It got me to thinking, what if Peter and Paul... James and John, Matthew and Bartholomew and the rest of them had just not shared. What if they had just gone home and said, you know what, I know I'm his. I saw the risen Lord. I feel his spirit in my life. Praise God. We're going to hunker down and hang out until he returns. What would have happened? The gospel would not have gone forward. There would be no Christians in the world. Now, obviously, a sovereign God knew that that was not what was going to happen, but the reality is he leaves it to us to spread his kingdom here, his kingdom now. Guys, if you're sitting here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is because someone or someone's along the way in some format shared him with you. If you are here today and you are a follower of Christ and you're growing, it is because someone or someones is discipling you and helping you mature in your faith. That's his method. It is God's message, the gospel. But God is not looking for new methods to share it. He's looking for men and women, willing, and young adults, and children, people who follow Christ to say, I want to get messy in the lives of people and see Jesus clean them up. Guys, this is why I'm so passionate and excited about this, this series that we're going into, because the reality is we are only ever have always been one generation away from losing the gospel. That's the truth. If Peter and James and John and the rest of them had just stayed quiet, the gospel would not have gone forward. If we stay quiet, the gospel will not go forward, and we will be one generation away from losing the gospel. So today we're talking about upon this rock, I will build my church, and we're going to talk specifically about the disciple. Next week we will talk about the church, and then we'll jump into the rest of the topics that are in the toolkit. But if you would, open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
2 Timothy is towards the end of your Bible, towards the end of your New Testament. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I'm sure someone will put, it, put a Bible in it for you. But 2 Timothy, all the T's are together, which is nice. First and Second Thessalonians, and, and then we have the Timothys and Titus. Because I want to talk about what practically does it look like this idea of disciple or discipleship. Disciple is just a word that means student or learner. The process of discipleship is just a process of multiplication. It is helping someone become like you are. It is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he said, follow me, do what I do, just like I follow Christ and do what he did. That's discipleship. What's the big deal about that word? Why use that word? It sounds kind of churchy or, or Bible-ese or, or whatever you want to call it. Why use that word? Why, what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. The New Testament uses a form of the word discipleship, whether it's disciple, discipleship, learner. The New Testament uses that word 300 times in the New Testament. Now, to give you some, some idea, of, is that a big deal? The, the New Testament uses the word Christian three times. And yet we sit here and call ourselves Christians and may not even be disciples. And that is a scary thing to me. On page 7 of your toolkit, it was the page that, that Jeff had you read, it says this, If you are a follower of Christ, you are a disciple of our Savior. You are his pupil, you are his student, you are a learner of the faith. As his, we know him to be Lord and desire to be obedient to his call on our lives. But a disciple who is not in discipleship is not a disciple. A disciple, a person who calls himself a Christian, is supposed to be a disciple of Christ. And a disciple who's not in discipleship is not a disciple. That's what we believe. That's what we mean by the word discipleship, which is today's question. So, what do we, so as we look at this question of what do we mean by discipleship, let's let the word answer it. So in 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 2, or in, in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we're going to look at whatever this idea of discipleship is, it is meant to be shared. Look at the first two verses of 2 Timothy 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So let me ask you a question. Where do we find our strength? according to that verse. Where do we find our strength? We've got to start there. Where do we find it? I'm asking. Where? Just look down and read it again. In the grace of Jesus Christ. We have to draw from his strength. We start with Jesus. We always begin and end with Jesus Christ. His grace is where we find strength to even do this. The second thing I see, though, in this passage that is a well-known passage for discipleship is there's this me, Paul, you, Timothy, entrust this to faithful men. And, and, and when, the, when the New Testament talks about men, they're talking about men and women here. And so that you may teach others also. It is this chain of Paul to Timothy, Timothy to somebody else, and those people to somebody else. And anywhere that chain gets broken, discipleship stops. Just like if, so Paul says, okay, I, Paul, I, Paul says, I poured into you, Timothy. I've told you over and over, just do the things I do. Say the things I say. Pray the way I pray. And then he says, now go teach it to other people. What if Timothy had just said no? What if he just said, you know what, I'm just going to hang out and hunker down. I'm gonna, it's just me and my wife or me and my kids, and, and that's all there is, and the world can just go to hell, literally. 
That's what would have happened. Anywhere that chain breaks, the gospel stops moving forward. That's why discipleship is so important. It is God's only plan ever for bringing the good news to people. His big plan was not megachurches. His big plan was not powerful worship experiences. His big plan was get messy in the lives of people. That's it. That's what we're here. That's what we want to be about. That's the kind of church we want to be. Guys, if you don't believe Paul, or you think, oh, then, then take it from Jesus' own mouth. The other big go-to passage when you're talking about discipleship is, are the last words Matthew records Jesus saying. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. There are four verbs in that passage, in that well-known passage. There are four verbs. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Those are the actions that that Jesus, these are his last words to his disciples. He's going to tell them, here are four things you're supposed to go do. Only one of them is a command. Only one of them does he actually bark out as an order. Guess which one? Make disciples. The other three verbs are just, here's how you do it. As you're going along, make disciples. Once you've made a disciple, once somebody makes a profession of faith, baptize them, but make the disciple. Once you have baptized them, and they, because they are making a profession of faith, teach them to observe. It doesn't say teach them to know. It says teach them to observe. Teach them to do what I'm telling you guys to do. But the only command there, and this is so important, is make disciples. So how does the toolkit, how does this little book help with that. Well, one of the things that Jeff talked about is because there's, there's this, what we're hoping to have happen and during this season that we're in the toolkit together, and it starts with the passage. You have, you have next Sunday's passage in your presence. It's Romans chapter, one, or chapter 15, 1 through 7. It's in your bulletin insert. And guys, there is a, and you have the daily readings for all of next week as well. There is, if, if we were all, imagine, just imagine the power of the collective conversation. If everybody in our little family was, you knew that you could pick up the phone and call anybody in our church anytime and say, hey, what'd you get out of Romans 15 today? Because here's what I got out of it. Imagine the power of the collective conversation in your marriage. To just be able to, because maybe you have different schedules and so you leave the house before, and you're kind of like two ships passing in the night, but one of the things you could do is text your spouse. Hey, here's what I got out of today's reading. What'd you get? Imagine the collective conversation in your family devotional time. When, when all you have to do, dads, if you're leading it, or moms, if you're a single mom, is go, hey, what did you guys get? Here's a, here's a verse out of today's reading. What do you think God means by that? What is the Spirit saying to your heart about that? If your kids are a little bit older and they're actually reading and responding to the Word and journaling, hey, everybody, bring your journals to the table. Easy peasy, gentlemen. We can do that. but there's power in this corporate, collective conversation that we can have. There's also the personal aspect that I'll get into in our next point, but, it's, but guys, it's, it's what I would ask, here's what I'd ask you, each of you individually. If you're saying, okay, here, you know, this, here goes Doug again, and now we're going to do a whole series on, on Doug's soapbox about being in God's Word every day. Here's what I'd ask. The, the Bible says, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. The psalmist says that the word of God is sweeter than honey on my lips. He says, I know what honey tastes like, and I love it, and I love the word more. Do you? It's, it's more precious to me than gold, than much fine gold, the psalmist says. I know how important money is, but the word is better. Do you believe that? Do you live that? So whatever discipleship is, it is meant to be shared. Our second point in the passage is whatever discipleship does, it takes discipline and dedication. Let's look at the next few verses, verses 3 through 7. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. As no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Gives us another analogy. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Third analogy. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul gives us three examples. The soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. They're, just exa- they're, they're all examples of people that take, it takes discipline. The soldier is singularly focused and mission-minded. The athlete is disciplined to compete according to the rules of the game. That is the law of God in our case. And then the farmer is just faithful, hardworking, stick to it till the end. Paul's just telling us, he's giving us these examples. All of, guys, here's the thing. Everyone in here, everyone in here is being discipled. You say, wait a minute, no, I'm, no, I'm not meeting with anybody. Everyone in here is in discipleship. How, how do I say that? Because, guys, what are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? What are you doing on social media? All of those things are discipling us all of the time. And the world is discipling us into this anti-gospel state of mind. The enemy is discipling us into this lukewarm Christianity. Guys, we are all being discipled. Every one of us in this room. That's why coming to church, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, and I know it's a holiday weekend, but you all know people either that that ought to be here because they're part of us, or you know people that are professing faith in Christ in your spheres of influence, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that, that do not attend church is just not my thing. Guys, I beg you to beg them to get reconciled with God. Whether that's come here or not, get them, just tell them to get to a place where the Word of God is being taught. Because, because 90 minutes, even that, even being here for 90 minutes, when we're going to walk out of here and the other 165.5 hours or whatever it is this week are going to scream at us the exact opposite of what you're hearing here in the time we have together. It, you, we can't win that battle. That's why, like what Kylie shared about weekly meeting with different people, that's why being together more than just on Sundays is so important. That's why reading the same word every day together so we can share those things with each other is so important because the world is going to tell us everything just the opposite. So the athlete, 
So I'm sorry, the, the soldier is just disciplined, right? Just sing, focus, mission-minded. Just be on mission. The athlete has to compete according to the rules. For us, the rules are the word of God. Guys, let me ask you a question. So we, we talk about like, so the athletes and, and competing according to the word of God. This is the one analogy I'll break down a little bit. So, so there's, a, there's a discussion, and I'm not a big basketball guy anymore. I coached basketball for many years, but, but you know, there's a big, like, is LeBron James or Steph Curry the best basketball player in the world right now? Well, let me tell you right now, Flat out, I'm not a big fan of LeBron James, but he would destroy Steph Curry in a one-on-one -on -one competition. That man is a physical freak. He's huge. But he is not the best basketball player who's ever played the game of basketball. Michael Jordan is. If you grew up in the 80s or the 90s, you know that. But here's what made Mike. Michael Jordan was not the physical freak that LeBron James was, or is. He was not 6'8", 200-and-something pounds, completely ripped. He was a good athlete. He'd school me. But there were stories that were told about how he would go to the park and play pickup games because he was so competitive, and he would lose. Michael Jordan would lose one-on-one -on -one pickup games against dudes at the park in New York. You say, well, why weren't they in the NBA then? Because he was the greatest player who's ever lived. Because they lacked discipline. They lacked the ability to play by the rules. Because knowing everything about the Word of God does not make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Spewing everything about the Word of God does not make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. Doing the Word of God, doing discipleship, makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ. My best story, and I'll finish up before I, before I get to what Jesus said about that, is my best Michael Jordan he, proof of this. So when Michael Jordan first came into the league, first three years he was like the scoring leader, and everybody's like, oh yeah, but here's the problem. You know, all you can do is score. You can't play defense. What did he do? After that, he went out and won defensive MVP like the next four years in a row. He's like, you tell me I can't do it, and I will discipline myself into doing it. Because that's what Jesus is asking us to do about discipleship. I can't. I'm, I don't know enough. I'm not what... Because it, it's, it is all about discipline. Discipleship is all about discipline. Jesus said this in, in John 8. You are truly my disciples if... You remain faithful to my teaching, and you will know the truth, and the truth, truth will set you free. And then the farmer, and I've shared this before, so I'm not going to spend any time. The farmer is just hardworking, stay the course, make the most of the time. Guys, every moment, every waking moment of every day, we're doing one of four things. We're either creating, cultivating, consuming, or criticizing. Which of those four things is going to mark most of your moments? That's the question. The toolkit is just one tool. Guys, it's just the toolkit and how we talk about reading and responding and journaling, which is outlined in here and described in here. Um, it, it's just one way. It's just one tool. But I want to I wanna encourage you, even if you have other things that you do for daily readings, even if you have other ways of responding to the word, I want to encourage you as your pastor in this season, do this. It's not because this book is what it's about. We're not making any money on these. We're losing, a, the church is losing a ton of money on this. This is not about selling books. This is about getting together and developing a collective discipline as followers of Christ so that we can go out and multiply as followers of Christ and help other people live that life. Because with all the gentleness I can muster, and you guys know that I am not that gentle, I just, I, I have to exhort 
encourage, admonish, whatever you want to call it. Guys, you've got to get in the word. Even in a church like ours that, that, that preaches it and preaches it and preaches it, I am going to guess that maybe 20% of the people that call Cornerstone their church home. So whether it's, I'm asking you to personalize this, but I'm also asking you to think about who are some other people that I need to share this with. Maybe 20% have the discipline of being in God's word every day. And I, know, and I don't mean perfectly, guys. Nobody is saying up here, you cannot ever miss a day. Nobody's ever, I'm saying just generally speaking, four and seven. I'm guessing maybe 20% of us do. Here's the thing that kills me, and, and this, is the, this is the joy I get as your pastors, the burden, because someday I will stand before the Lord and I will give an account for you. I can't make you do anything, and I'm not here to make you do anything, but I can warn you. Jesus says over and over, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Luke 6, Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that last day, Lord, didn't we do all this? Didn't I come to church every Sunday? And he will say to me, depart from me because I never knew you. Guys, if, just picture this. This was the image God gave me on Monday when I was hiking the mountain. Imagine if Jesus walked in the room right now. We, I, he's in the room right now. But, but for us, it's hard to get our minds around that. Imagine if he physically, as the incarnate Christ, walked in the room right now and he said, guys, why is your pastor begging you to spend 15 minutes with me? Is that all I'm worth? 15 minutes? Because it would change everything. It would change everything about how you live the next moments. It would change everything about how you live the next day. Whether this is for you right now, I don't know. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. Whether this is for somebody else that you need to go share this with, I don't know. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I am begging you, do not fool around with your faith anymore. Because there are too many people calling themselves Christians, word only used three times, and are not even disciples of Jesus Christ, and they're okay with that. We cannot be. I cannot be. I would rather pastor a church of 50 people who are sold out for the gospel than 500 who call themselves Christians and never sit and talk to the Savior. Whatever discipleship is, it is meant to be shared. Whatever discipleship does, it takes discipline and dedication. Whatever discipleship creates... It is personal and powerful. It is personal and powerful. Look at where Paul goes next. The next three verses. These last two points go fairly quick. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendants of David, according to my gospel. I'm going to read that again because that, that right there is a message. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. He starts with, remember Jesus Christ. Paul always points back to Christ because Christ has become his everything. And then he brings it to this point of my gospel. Guys, has the gospel become your gospel? And I don't just mean, do you believe in it? 
I mean, has it become, have you owned it so much you are compelled, knee-buckling, compelled to tell people about it? That's the question Paul is asking us today. Guys, it is, the gospel is God's message that God saves sinners. That's it. That's the gospel in three words. God saves sinners. That's God's message. He is not looking for new methods. He is looking for men and women, sons and daughters, children, to just share it, to own it, to the point where they can't help but share it. Why on mission? Why do we need to be on mission? I said this last week. Hell is still hot. Satan is still on the prowl. But God is still holy and heaven is waiting. That's why it matters. It's not just so people can have a great life right now. You're not telling people about Jesus because he's going to make their marriage better. You're telling them about Jesus because they're going to hell if they don't know him. So where do I find these people? Well, you have, we all have spheres of influence. I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously your home is one huge sphere of influence. This church is another sphere. Because we're not, we're not really over, we, we, we make our, I didn't bring one up here, but we have the little orange kind of menu board for all of our life groups. We don't say, well, because you live in this neighborhood, you need to be in this group or because of that. We just say, don't sign up, just show up. Here's the menu, just get involved in relationship. We also have a whole section on there that just talks about, you know what, we, we love it when groups just start up organically. When they're not on our menu, but it's just because at the fellowship meal today in a few minutes, you go, hey, how about we get together and do the toolkit together? Praise the Lord. That's, I get goosebumps just thinking about that. That's discipleship. Maybe it's your place of work. I know people in this room that are, that are, that are already talking to people about, hey, we're going to start this thing at my church. How would you like to get together and just go through it with me? Maybe it's the coffee shop you hang out at. Maybe it's like, you're like Jeff Dawkins there in the back who's security today, and he's personally evangelizing Panera Bread on, on 67th Avenue in the 101. Maybe it's your school that you attend. Maybe it's a hobby that you have. Robert talks about how he goes to this gym and he's been engaging, very intentional about going there wearing shirts to tell everybody he's a Christian so that they will ask him questions so he can engage with these guys that frankly are scarier looking than he is and bigger than he is, which I can't even imagine on the second one, not the first, Robert. You're not that scary looking. Although if I were walking up to you on the street, I'd probably turn around and run the other way. But, but I don't know where I was going with that. That's okay. But he's using that hobby. He, I mean, I'm, I'm working out anyway. I may as well just do it to the glory of God. Guys, don't leave here today just going, okay, I got to do better. I, I, you know what? Here, one more time, Doug beat me up, and now I got to do better. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Pray. Pray. Pray that God would give you a heart for people. If he does that, you'll be in discipleship. So just pray. So the last thing. So just whatever discipleship is, it's meant to be shared. Whatever it does, it takes discipline and dedication. What, what it creates is personal and powerful. Here's what discipleship is according to Paul. And I'm going to read it in a second. Discipleship is living and dying and enduring and reigning for and with our faithful Savior forever. That's what discipleship is. Living and dying with Jesus. Look at what Paul says. 
It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are, le- if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Praise God. What defined Paul's life? A passionate love for Jesus Christ. What marked his life? Unrelenting discipleship. It was hard. It was messy. If you read the rest of this letter in 2 Timothy, and I would encourage you to do that, it talks about how he, at this point, he is in prison, waiting to be beheaded, not house prison, prison prison, waiting to be beheaded, and he talks about all of these people that he has poured his life into that hurt him, that rejected him. Guys, I'm not up here to tell you discipleship is fun. I'm up here to tell you that Jesus told you to do it. Go and make disciples. It was a command, not a suggestion. But it's not fun in that regard. It's messy. It's hard. People hurt. It's messy. It's hard. And you will be hurt by this. You will. And the more you press into it, the, the, the more hurt you'll get. See, that's not selling, Doug. Guys, look at the cross. Why would we expect any different? Look at Paul. He's about to have his head cut off. And he is unrelentingly still discipling us today. He won't give up. Because it's not about now. It is not about best life now. It is about eternal life with Jesus forever. That's it. Guys, we do not suffer and sacrifice and die to self so that we will see the Savior. We do not suffer and die, sacrifice and die to self so that we will see Jesus. I'm not telling you to disciple because then maybe somehow you're going to get a, get a bigger taste of Jesus Christ. You will, like Kylie shared, you will grow exponentially through that process. I'm telling you to suffer and sacrifice and live selflessly for the lives of others, first and foremost, because Jesus called you to do it, and second, because you can't not do it because of what you know he's done for you. As I invite the music team to come up and we get ready to respond to his will and um, we're going to enter into a time of just response. If you need prayer um, during this time, we are going to have a time of prayer um, after the song, but if you need just personal prayer, there'll be some couples in the back that would love to pray with you. Just get up and go. If you want to pray with somebody, get up and pray with them. But I would ask you to consider... And just ask God and pray, like I said, don't walk out here going, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to, I'm going to start discipling. Just say, God, just pray. Pray that God would give you a heart for people. Pray that God would help you see who those people are and then, inv- and then give you a heart broken for them. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and stands now with us at the right hand of God. 
Lord, I pray right now that we would be a people like that, that we would cast away the sin and the distraction that that make us so half-hearted and lukewarm, that we would be hot-hearted and on fire, that we would expect trouble and embrace it, that we would feel blessed in the mess of being in the lives of other people because you show yourself strong in that. We are never more like you than when we are willing to die to self and live for your glory. That's discipleship. Lord, I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in this place today, in Jesus' name. Amen.